0: everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and this is the lantern cast episode 189
1: and it's our, our july 4th episode that's right <laughs> happy birthday america
0: happy birthday uh, sorry, I've been re-listening to some old episodes of the Lantern Cast, and I think I just—I'm pretty flashback. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty.
1: Uh, um, um, Chad was having a non-flashback. <laughs> he'll be okay.
0: It was—it was hell recording with Dan and Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in country too long. <laughs> so, if you didn't know, it's probably—you uh, know—I mean, you can tell by the album art and the name of the episode and everything, but. We are talking about Game of Thrones Season 4, the TV series from HBO. Uh, so, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. I mean, I don't know if there's an aspect of this we won't spoil. Uh, I know some of you aren't uh, watching the show or haven't had a chance to watch the show, won't be able to watch it till it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray. I mean, it's really up to you. But me and Mark are completely caught up on issue reviews for the moment. So, it's... I mean, we, we want to do stuff that we want to do, and uh, Mark is a big TV and, and movie guy, and I really, really, of the TV shows I do watch, Game of Thrones is in the top three, and it's super exciting, and uh, it's it's no doubt that, that, that this TV show is a tour de force. And uh, season four wrapped up fairly recently, and we wanted to talk about it, so we said, what the hell, why not?
1: Should be fun? It's a new... We gotta have a discla- put a disclaimer out right now because this this format we're, we didn't we're kind of winging this to a certain extent. We know what we want to talk about as far as are the concepts, and we know what we want to touch on. But instead of we're not gonna do episode by episode because we figured based on our issue reviews that could lead to a long, long episode for us, which we don't want, and you guys probably don't want either. So I think we we kind of decided we're gonna to try to at least approach this by character and storyline and kind of. Where they begin where they end Mm -hmm. this will have spoilers for the for the most part these spoilers are going to be contained and we're going to try to do it over we're going to try to make this absolute but there might be a there could be something in there that crosses that line so it's a disclaimer to a disclaimer but we're going to try to keep spoilers pretty much to everything that just occurred on the screen in season four and briefly potentially talk about things that they they left out in season four Mm -hmm. That some probably they can't some they can't revisit and some they altered and things like that because there were some creative choices in this season that you know in many ways season four was probably the season that they kind of diverged the most from the books based on many decisions that they they made that so we're gonna discuss some of that and that's kind of are gonna be our approach and we're gonna try to tie some of these characters and their storylines into each other and to try to do justice to it without going going on ridiculously long
0: <laughs> and we won't tease you guys so uh, i mean there's 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 no need for this and I, I realize that by saying this we could lose a few listeners at least for this one episode um but i mean just in, in in the spirit of being honest with you guys there is no green lantern talk this episode and there will be no listener feedback to go through since that pertains to green lantern stuff so you don't have to listen to the entire episode just to get to the green lantern stuff um, so if you guys want, uh, uh, you, uh, waiting till you hear while well, watch season four, then absolutely go about it uh, and uh, and wait for that. But uh, we just want to make sure you guys weren't uh, still uh, listening, uh, trying to you know, hoping that there was some Green Lantern talk in there. I just want to be clear and upfront with you guys: no Green Lantern talk this episode. Tons next episode, um, and back to back to regular stuff. But season four, Game of Thrones: how are we gonna start
1: out? So we've decided to, like I said, we're going to focus on characters, their arcs, where they begin and where they end. And probably an interesting one to start with, which, again, from a talking point of view, shouldn't it should it should lead to an an interesting, a little be interesting to get our both our thoughts on it. But I don't think it'll take too long to do. But it's still a very relevant, I think. And that's the relationship we've seen the change in the relationship during the course of the season with Arya Stark, probably the the. Other than Jon well, Jon Snow's still pretty naive, too, but yeah. Arya Stark is probably the closest of any of the surviving Starks to kind of, like, getting getting a real taste of the real world and finally seeing it for what it is, not kind of, like, how they would want it to be. So during, during the course of the season where they where the season began, Arya was still with the Hound, who was hoping to trade her into some living relative for for a reward, basically. At the end of last season, he was this close to getting to Rob and, his, and uh, Kat, right Arya's mother they were this close to getting bef- getting to them before the red wedding and luckily for Arya, in a way and for the hound too they got there a little bit too late so while they could so it was sad for for rob and cat but they probably wouldn't have been able to do much about it anyway at least they were say survived it so pretty much the hound's plan at this point was to take aria to to aunt Lyssa, which is basically Arya's only <laughs> living <laughs> relative that on other than pretty much the only living relative with money at this point that the Hound thought he could pawn Arya off on. And so basically this, their story arc is just the journey between the two of them trying to get there. And during the course of the season... To the Vale. To the Vale. To the Eerie, correct? Yeah. That, uh, that, and in case you've, Lysa's pretty much insane which has been kind of (laughs) proven in previous seasons. She's not really And even more so in this season. Yeah, and she's not, she's not really wrapped too tight. She's you know, she's still breastfeeding her kid, who's like ten. <laughs> but during the course of, during the course of their journey there, you see that Arya and the Hound's relationship kind of changed to a certain extent. In the beginning, Arya's is a lot still pretty naive, and the way the Hound treats people and robs people, he thinks are too weak that and they're not going to survive, and all all this stuff is you know Arya in the beginning just just kind of sees him as a prick, which is kind of why he's not you know he's on her. <laughs> on her top 10 die list, or whatever, and the number of people I forget actually is on her list, that he, she has every intention given an opportunity to kill him along with so many other people. But as the season goes on, I mean, for the most part, the Hound actually does a decent job of looking out for her. And by the time we get to the very end of the season, and I'm, and I'm not going to – there are a few things we need to get talk about before we get to that point – the Hound pretty much d- during the course of the season does change his view and he thinks of a, has a different role to do. He sees himself in a different role more as a protector than just a basically Karen, a delivery boy like Shrek in in the original just trying to deliver Arya for it to get to get a reward. And he also looks even earlier in the season when the relationship is a little, little more tense if you will. He still looks out for her like in the like in the first in the first episode otherwise known as the bucket of chicken episode. <laughs> How many all all the effing chickens in the in the place? Episode in which Arya basically sees Polliver, who killed his her friend and took her sword Needle, and Arya wanted it back. So basically, she she takes it upon herself to go to try to get it back, and the Hound almost has no choice but to go in and protect her, which leads to a big fight and a lot of dead bodies. But they do get chicken, and they do get horses, and a so and get Needle back. And Arya gets to cross Poliver off her list when she kills him, but that's sh- but even that dynamic starts changing their relationship, and they become closer as the season goes on. And kind of one of the most more ironic things is towards the end when, of course, they finally they finally get to the veil and they find out once again, like their luck has been throughout their journey together, that Lysa's already dead, which we will talk about. Later on, in a different, we relate it to Littlefinger, but Lysa's already dead, so another wasted journey. And it's the irony, of course, is not wasted on Arya, who just kind of bursts out laughing at the whole situation, which was hilarious. Which, which we, I mean, I was just gonna say, and we kind of laugh with her because it's the whole point. Like Jesus Christ, it's like every time we get somewhere, it's like somebody there. We just miss somebody because they're dead. Which I guess is, in a way, well, with with Lysa, at least she would have been alive if she was delivered on time. With with Rob and Kat, she would have been dead too. And that kind of leads their Arya and the Hound story pretty much comes to a very interesting end when they in the final episode because they basically bump into Lady Brienne whose story arc pretty much was there wasn't a great um, it was pretty straightforward this season where pretty much Jamie t- tasked her to continue the quest that you know she pretty much had promised Kat to begin with which was looking for looking for her daughters Sansa in particular but but sansa and Arya, if she could find them both and basically you know safeguard them and return them even though as the hound quickly points out when brienne and the hound square off is like where are you going to take her to there's there's no place safe and basically every relative that she has pretty much that they know of is dead so but lady brienne is tasked by jamie to kind of look out and try to find the Stark girls and keep them safe he gives he actually gives Lady Brienne the uh, Valerian Steel Sword which he gets in the first episode of the season which is kind of a painful moment if you're a Ned fan because because tywin melts down ned's sword to make two other swords one he gives to one he gives to jamie one he gives to the little shit joffrey and jamie of course really doesn't feel worthy of the sword to begin with besides the fact that he's having his own issues trying to learn how to fight left handed so he he gives it to lady brienne along with new armor to go continue to continue this quest the lady brienne finds Arya, not knowing necessarily immediately not knowing who she was but one of the one of the storylines that diverges from the book is the is that there was no confrontation between Brienne and the Hound in in the books, but there is a very interesting fight between the two of them, and you kind of rooting for both of them and not rooting and not wanting either one to kind of lose, though you know they do, one of them must. And um, the hound ends up <laughs> coming out worse for wear he ends up falling off a cliff he ends up breaking his leg he's already pretty much dying of an infection anyway from when he was bitten in the neck by uh there's at this point there's a bounty out on the hound too from his great comment about you know fuck the king we related to joffrey which has kind of made its way all the way back to king's landing so there's a price out on his head and pretty much everybody's trying to kill him so during one of those attacks he got wounded he got bitten, and he wouldn't let Arya burn out the infection. So he's pretty much got an infection, which is growing anyway. He's not 100%. And after the fall off the cliff, he's pretty much done for. Arya still, at this point, Arya doesn't necessarily trust Brienne to go with her. And she kind of has, as a turning point for her character, she wants to go on her own pretty much. And that also includes, even though the Hound has pretty much taught her many things during the course of their travels, including you know where the heart is, how to kill someone, not in a way to be merciful but also not to be merciful it's kind of like an interesting combination there's a time to show there's a time to be merciful but you can't be weak at the same time and see the world through like rose-colored glasses so the hound expects Arya to, to finish him off as he's dying or to prevent a long painful death but Arya doesn't do that and Arya pretty much just takes his money like he took another character's money during the course of the season and when you know he he pretty much robbed them and left them not quite for dead but he predicted they would be dead by winter because they were weak she kind of returns to favor takes his money leaves him to die and goes off on her own and her journey will take will take her back to bravos seemingly next season where she her path takes a quite different turn Based on what's you know what's supposed to happen to her, and that she is definitely not pretty much a little girl anymore, and she's going about her you know her own her own path to achieve what she feels is you know what basically what she should be doing, and not despite the fact that she's a girl and everything else that she's going to do things, and including seek revenge the way she she wants to, and that it was kind of again, what did you think about the decision not to kill the hound? Did you think because there are a bunch of different takes on why she didn't do it? I think there's basically three ways you could kind of look at why Arya did or didn't do what, you know, what she did. What she did. (laughs) Uh, You can say that she did that basically, despite the fact that they've kind of bonded, that he was still on her list, and and he was dying anyway, and he did a lot of horrible... And he did look out for her, but he did a lot of horrible things, and she just didn't want to give him the comfort of Mercy, despite everything he's done for her. You have the some people have speculated that maybe she didn't kill him because based on everything he did do for her, essentially, more or less, he, she removed him off the list. And because of that fact that even though it would, be, it would be merciful, that's why she didn't feel comfortable killing him. And the third thing, which is kind of interest, interesting because I, th- I believe Maisie Williams herself said it in an interview that – and I don't know if this was like a official like motivation for the character speak – as himself you talked about on the set or just how her personal interpretation but i believe she said that her at least her opinion was that Arya was going to kill him but once he started begging and once he started trying to play mind games with her and talking about oh you no know, he should have how he should have raped sansa and all this stuff and all this to try, try to get her pissed off enough to kill him once once she started seeing him play games like that with her then that's when she decided that she wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of a quick death but it is open it is open to interpretation of of why she didn't do it but it was kind of a sad, it was kind of a sad kind of a sad you know end to their relationship even though again if, for people who want, who know what's coming or read books or whatever it's not getting to that point was kind of a given is just the fact that it's been kind of a fun ride literally watching them as as a their adventures and have and he taught her a lot. He did teach her a lot and he did have some genuine affection for her at the end. So it was kind of sad to see that relationship end.
0: Um as far as Arya goes, the uh the first episode um was would you say the first episode was kind of lackluster at least for a season premiere?
1: Actually, surprisingly enough, I don't think this season opener. I thought the season opener was actually one of the better ones cuz I think f- at least two of the three seasons so far, I think their first o- the first episodes kind of been Anti-climactic and a lot of setup. It's been a lot of setting the stage for what was going to happen later in the season, but not a whole lot of interesting stuff occurred in it. And I think that always was kind of a bummer, especially since you got to wait like nine months for the season to start again. When you have even one episode that's kind of wasted, kind of takes you know, wait, wasted from the point of view, or not a lot happens in it. It just seems like there's not a lot of payoff. It kind of seems disappointing. I thought this season started a little – I thought it started a little better than most of the uh, season openers have to this point. But their seasons – but they're, they they kind of made a decision to begin with that the episodes, that like the structure of this season was going to be different too. They didn't make it much of a secret that the like the first three seasons, episode nine was always the big one. You know, when you had Ned get – Ned with his head cut off uh, – Blackwater and then the Red Wedding it was the ninth episode that was always the big one and they kind of made it clear heading into the season that that wasn't going to be the case uh, a lot of the interesting really 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 big events really took place like in episodes 8 and episodes 10 this year so I think they, maybe they kind of made it maybe they made a little more made a little more of an effort to have the season kind of flow and actually obviously episode 2 was big this year too as when we started talking about Tyrion stuff so I didn't think there really were that many I thought this season was the most even as far as far as from a tonal point of view. I thought there weren't really that many stumbling blocks of any this year. And the only one I would say would and we'll be getting to that in a few minutes is when we talk about John, Jon Snow, is that to me I thought episode nine might have been better served if they had it to be episode eight. That from a from a anticlimactic point of view, considering how how epi- how big episode eight was and how it ended. Then you had episode nine, which was somewhat interesting, but not nearly as interesting to me anyway as eight. And then ten was a pretty had to wrap a lot of things up. So I almost thought that the episode that the that the real episode eight might have been better served at nine. But then again, they kind of were trying to change the structure, so they, maybe that's why they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I ask because I think that uh the season opener was lackluster maybe not in terms of comparing to other seasons but just in terms of the season as a whole because when i was re-watching some of the episodes i when i was watching uh season one the the, the i mean the uh episode one i really wasn't like all that excited or paying that much attention to it until the very end because once Arya gets Needle back and she starts going all badass you're like yes <laughs> She's finally doing it. She's killing somebody. <laughs> and the way she did it, too, I mean, it was cold. I mean, there was no hesitation. It was awesome. Now, I don't know if I – mean, maybe maybe it's just been too long since I've since seen season three. Did she kill anybody yet? Or was that her first kill in episode one of season four? Oh, God.
1: I don't remember her killing anybody. But like you said, season three has been a while ago now. Yeah. And it's been so long since she'd been with the hound. Now it just seems like it's been forever.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the, just the no hesitation on her part, and, and even if it wasn't, I th- even if it wasn't her first kill, it's pr- I think it's the first person off of her list, right?
1: I believe that is true.
0: So I mean, that was that was just awesome. Just just no hesitation. I mean, the the it was all right. I mean, as far as Arya goes, the the high points for me this season were her first kill, and the whole uh, thing, it, it, basically episode one and episode ten, to me. I, there, was
1: a, there was also, the, the, the part that I kind of thought was funny also, which, you know, again, according to the way things worked out in the book, actually, no, that's the kind of menu, they kind of mishmash that too, but, when, they, when the first attempts were made on the Hound's life after the bounty, when he ends up getting bitten, which of course ends up getting him infected the fact that when he says to Arya, is he is is he on your list and she goes well he couldn't be because i don't know his name and they asked they asked him his name and as soon as he gives it then Arya kills him <laughs> that was a classic
0: that was pretty cool
1: you're learning
0: <laughs> but yeah uh yeah her first kill awesome just uh, the and major props to the actress for for the way that scene went down um and uh then the whole bravos coin thing uh with the boat at the very end of uh of episode uh, 10 uh she's what did, what did he say in response i i know that's you know kind of a tangent she said Valar, Magu, Valar magulus which is all men must die what was his response oh, oh god what's it oh no. what we're gonna fail we're gonna fail is it an atypical test uh, a response to valar margulis
1: yeah the, there's a there's an
0: actual like it's like a call and response there's an actual response to saying that yeah, let's see. but that was cool the way that dude's whole demeanor changed like like even even okay so i've never read the books i plan to because my best friend ashley uh she's been reading them lately because you know her husband is deployed and She doesn't have a lot of time or money to be doing extracurricular stuff, so she can't like go buy seasons or anything to watch. But she can afford, you know, like a five-six dollar trade uh, paperback novels. Uh, So she's been reading the books, and she's been super into those. So I I figure why not. But um, as far as my experience with it, like that was just cool to see. I don't know what was going on there, or what what uh, what what will be happening in the near future. But just to see him kind of just shrugging off this little girl. And then suddenly she gives him this coin and says these two words, and suddenly it's like she's royalty. <laughs> or he—it's oh, it's almost like he's scared of her, kind of.
1: Or I'm going to assume again, without having it in front of me, that he probably said Do Harris, which is "All men must serve." That might be the response. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying to, but I, but there, there definitely was. There's like they go. There's two that tend to go hand in hand, and that's "All men must serve," and Morgelis Morg, is "All all men must die." Yeah.
0: But that was that was cool. Um and what you were talking about earlier about with the hound. Yeah, like I said earlier, I don't know. I don't know how how I would have preferred her to handle it, but the way it went down was fine enough with me.
1: And it was cool that she didn't and it made sense that she didn't uh really trust Brienne, which she really shouldn't based on every everything she'd kind of been learning. She really shouldn't uh, just trust off the top of her head. Plus, there are a lot of reasons as the hound was kind of like pointing out too and she was picking up on just by observation. There are a lot of reasons to uh To be at least a little suspicious about what her really what her motives were, whether she was really there looking out for Arya, or whether she basically was just working for the Lannisters. So
0: yeah, so is that it for Arya and the Hound and Brienne and Podrick and everything?
1: Yeah, even though we didn't really mention Podrick, only because in a way we can. But I I thought if we were gonna we'd we'd mention Podrick again when we talked about Tyrion. But yeah, yeah, I think for the main for that little um, for that those character arcs, I think I think. At least unless something pops up into our heads as we discuss, I think that that kind of uh kind of covers it,
0: okay, so what uh, Jon snow
1: yes, you know nothing Jon snow <laughs> uh but, but he's still alive as opposed to
0: <laughs> that's true, so uh end of last season, he betrays the wildlings uh is shot by the redhead <laughs> that's uh, you great yeah you you grit. Uh, With a couple arrows and then rides to Castle Black where he's found. So that's basically where we pick up here is he is, uh, you know, uh, mending his wounds really and uh, kind of reporting back to the the individuals in charge of Castle Black. I can't remember their uh, maesters and everything. Um, They want to basically punish him. At least that's what was happening in the first episode. Uh, and he was talking about how he slept with the wildling and he was trying to give them advice on what they need to do and reporting back um, you know, what the what um uh the King Beyond the Wall. Uh Mance. Man yeah, Mance Rayder says. Um, I'm I'm awful with all these names, dude. I swear to God. Uh the only people I know for sure are Danny, John, <laughs> John basically all the main characters. Every every other supporting character? No idea. <laughs> Except Jorah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, but he's a, he's kind of important. But yes, he's kind of a beat. He is kind of like a secondary character. When I was writing down character names, Jor actually, I know he is a secondary character, and he wouldn't have been forgotten when we do Danny's arc. But I, I originally I didn't even write him down, and I realized oh, I kind of left him out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I might miss a couple things here with John because I'm going based on memory here because I, I rewatched a couple of episodes, but not the entire season um but uh so he's talking about what Mance's plan our plans are uh and they decide not to d- discipline john but they start preparing uh a little bit it seems like the training amps up a little bit unless that's just what is normal for castle black but it seems like throughout the throughout the season uh the training is amping up until of course we get to the episode eight or nine it was nine wasn't it yes it was nine okay episode nine which the entire episodes focus solely on what's going on at the wall uh castle black beyond the wall with the uh wildlings that are who that have already crossed the wall and are you know taking castle black from the south side of the wall and and what's going on there um lots of people die including egret uh and egret and uh everybody uh castle black stands victorious uh and and uh what happens is uh john uh the next morning while everybody's you know cleaning up their dead because the wildlings uh retreat back into the woods on the other side of the wall um john goes in to discuss things with Mance, and i totally didn't see this coming after a little bit uh this cavalry or army basically uh, on both it, well, yeah. <laughs>
1: infantry cavalry
0: yeah and the whole kit and caboodle yeah. comes flying up the sides of the wall and i don't mean like like up the walls i mean like uh on the perimeter of the wall just you know kind of coming up the sides and going in through the forest and killing every wildling they come across and it turns out it's stannis baratheon uh and and uh, uh what? davos davos that's his name right
1: Yeah, Davos Seaworthy, I believe. Okay,
0: yeah, and uh, the Red Woman isn't with him. She is.
1: She is, but she is – I don't – but she's now – they have traveled together, but I don't think she's there at that point. Okay. you don't see her at that
0: point. Okay. So uh, basically Stannis takes uh, takes Mance prisoner, uh, and uh, there's a cool kind of moment where Stannis asks uh, Jon Snow his opinion. Uh, because he fi- he finds out who Jon Snow is uh, in in relation to uh, in relation to Ned Stark. Um, so with that take with that threat taken care of, basically the uh, the season uh, for for those at the Wall ends there. Uh, except for does it does it, Jon goes back out right after Stannis shows up, or no? Am I thinking? Am I, I'm getting him. Confused he goes. He thought. goes
1: back to burn her burn Agret's body. Yeah,
0: he goes back to burn her body. That's it. Okay, because I remember him going back out after Stannis shows up, but I can't remember if he was going out for something other than burning her body. <clears throat> but yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there's a, a bunch of smaller stuff in between, you know, uh, the season opener and the season ender for them. But uh, that's basically the gist of it. What do you? What did you think of? Okay, I. I <laughs> the listeners don't know, but I know what your thoughts are in episode nine. <laughs> The here's here's my thought on episode nine. I liked it only because I mean I liked it one because it uh we, we got some hyper focus there and it feels like this whole wildling thing has been building and building and building and building with no real um advancement to that plot. Like it's you know, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, and you know, finally they're here, and not only are they here, but we finished that part for for the time being. Um I mean obviously we still have the white walkers on their way so there we do need to get some plot development there. But as far as the whole wildling subplot with this I'm I'm just glad we finally got that not only super advanced but for the most part resolved. But but what are your thoughts on it?
1: <laughs> I thought the episode was okay. It's it wasn't nearly as interesting as Blackwater, not that they set it up to be I didn't think it was as interesting as episode 8 with the whole resolution of Tyrion's trial, if you will. Uh, And even though episode 10, I thought there were some interesting things in it. I thought episode 10 was nearly as... I thought it was going to be a little more exciting than it was episode 10. But I thought... The whole... See, the thing for me personally, Castle Black, the, the whole stuff with Castle Black doesn't do much for me. I like Jon Snow. I think he's an interesting character. I think I, by by pro, you know by proxy at this point almost everybody's going to root for Jon Snow. I mean, if you like the Starks, because he is this re, regardless of you know what we learn or don't learn about you know his lineage as time goes on, is I think it's pretty safe to say he he is a Stark. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, he's a male and he's a Stark and he's the you know, <laughs> pretty much the only one old enough to do anything at this point. Even though brands, you know seemingly is a destiny to fulfill. But I, th- I thought it was okay. I, th- it, I thought actually the stuff when Stannis showed up in episode ten was a lot was a lot more interesting. I thought the stuff with Mance, which you know Mance wasn't in the episode nine. I thought, I thought that was much more interesting when he, the conversation between John, and Mance. Let alone the conversation between John and uh, Stannis. And Stannis, like you said, you didn't see it coming. It was the close. The only things that for, kind of foreshadowed that, if you will, was even before and earlier in season ten. That Stan, I'm sorry, season four. Everything in episode ten. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, earlier, earlier in season four, the Stannis who was dead broke. Hip, ba- Barely had a pot to piss in. Had no real army. Had no real food. Had nothing left. Basic, basically, he's he had completely fallen on hard times. With uh, after Blackwater, thanks to the quick thinking of Sir Davos there and their meeting with uh, the Iron Bank. That Stanos almost and a very prophetic point, as it turns out, when Davos is saying what ha- you know what happens when Ty- when Tywin Lannister isn't there, or calling the shots anymore. Who do you support then? And the fact that he, they were able to convince the Iron Bank that if they ever wanted to get their money back, that they invested, and that they wanted somebody who was good at keeping his word and following through and pretty much as being as straight shooter as you could get, Stannis is the way to go or is the, is the one to back. And they are able to convince the Iron Bank to bank them. So that is why Stannis is able to have an army at the end of uh, episode – or the beginning of episode 10. He has an army. But we also – it was foreshadowed for a while i think even going back to the end of last season that with uh the red woman that realizing you know that the war of the five kings was essentially not the real what's that really was just a distraction that the real the key was going going north and so it's kind of a big character development for stannis too because it's kind of like the first if you will it's the first really kingly thing that he's done
0: <laughs> true
1: that it's something that was not in his short-term best interest, but it might be in his long-term best interest. Doing something that a king's supposed to do, which is look out for all of the five kingdoms and not just get an army to try to figure out how am I going to invade uh, King's Landing again. So I was pretty cool to see Stannis finally, and kind of you know the turnabout is fair play. That you know he he was on the verge of winning Blackwater until Stannis and the uh, and what the Tyrells showed up, and so now I mean when uh, uh, Tywin excuse me in the Tyrell Tywin and uh the Tywin and Tyrell sounds like it's a band. <laughs> 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 the Lannisters and the Tyrells pretty much showed up to save to save Black the Battle of Blackwater and he lost a battle he almost had won and then he shows up to basically take away a victory that Mance would have had because they they surely had the numbers that they would have taken K- Castle Black at some point. I thought it was so I didn't think the episode episode 9 dealing with uh Castle Black was that great, but that's because I I had much I was much more invested in Tyrion and Oberyn and all that story and then seeing how everything was going to be resolved in episode 10, so.
0: Do you think uh Ygritte was going to kill him?
1: Good question. Probably not. She hesitated long enough where you would like you probably would think because if, if she didn't do it before, she probably wasn't going to do it now. But I got to be honest with you, I, I I didn't feel bad that she died. <laughs> I didn't personally. I never really liked that character all that much, anyway. But uh, I didn't.
0: It's one less redhead in the show, so that, yeah, that it's sucks.
1: true too. <laughs> that sucks.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's no secret how I feel about redheads. Well, at least I still <laughs>
1: some attractive ones left.
0: And still, I guess. Um, let's see what else with John. Uh, I guess with John, we should probably talk about Sam, right?
1: Yeah, this was kind of a big season for him, as far as coming into his own kind of being more standing his ground a little bit more, making more decisions, um, trying to be a family man, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, their relationship changed a little bit. I mean, it wasn't just all, you know, John, uh, John's still, I think the one in charge, but it, but there were times when their relationship kind of showed signs of more equality. I thought,
0: yeah, Sam's getting a little ballsier. Yes, he is. Um, Kind of made up for the fact. What what was it? Season three when he killed the, the White Walker.
1: And then dropped the damn weapon. Yeah, God, that pissed me off. <laughs> I know, every, every. It's one of those things where, in a way, sometimes you make a creative decision about how to handle stuff, and then but and then sometimes you do that, but you almost need like to step back and have a couple of people watch it because I'm sure if they put if they put that through like a a test audience, I would be surprised if at least seven out of ten people didn't go. That's so stupid. Why would you leave that? <laughs>
0: no matter how scared you are you just found the one thing other than fire that can kill a white walker and it does it quicker than fire
1: (laughs) yeah let's just leave it and
0: you're just gonna drop it and leave it there that was kind of that was
1: kind of and i guess the other thing which kind of i don't know how we're gonna get to Bran and all this but there were so many times during the course of the season almost like a tease that john and Bran are almost reunited
0: (laughs) well given the fact that we're uh, not necessarily character wise, but uh, location wise, near the wall, we might as well talk about Brand now.
1: Yeah, Brand. That was a Brand. That was an interesting story with Brand because I know from from a, from the books' point of view, there really isn't much. Brand doesn't really do much in these books. Season, I mean, season
0: three it wasn't because literally that was these the 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 one story I could care less about. Couldn't care less about.
1: I mean I don't I mean I don't think don't get me wrong, I don't think a lot of people are, are like fascinated by Bran's story, but I'm but I just mean from a point of view that there are a few there are a few things that they kinda manufacture to have brand do. Like when they were when they were captured in the and again another manufactured character, the one from the Boltons that was going to basically try to, you know, bring them capture Bran and bring them back. That the way he took over Hodor's body to a couple of times that was kinda cool. In the in the latter parts of the season taking a taking over hodor's body since hodor is not only dumb but kind of incapable of action <laughs>
0: <laughs> total so. total tangent but have you seen that website chatwithhodor.com
1: no but i kind of suspect that i know how it would go <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hilarious it's just this total white web page where you just you know it's a, a chat box that says you're typing when you're typing and you just type whatever and it'll say hodor is typing and then Hodor. 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 <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. I'm stunned. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that someone spent the time to build that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
1: That's all right. So most, so it seems like basically for Bran, they were looking for. Uh, he had that vision of what the what the three eyed raven, right? Three eyed
0: raven in the uh, God's wood tree. tree.
1: So the quest was to find that, and I guess that was supposed to. It was like some. Some mis- some mystical or spiritual journey for him, and they finally get in there. And there's some like kind of pseudo Gandalf looking guy. <laughs> now, he was supposed to be the raven, or the embodiment of the raven, or something like that. I think so. Yeah,
0: that's the impression t- I got. That all that uh, that whole thing was super confusing. Super confusing, super vague. I don't know who the, the little girl is that throws fire, but
1: yeah, that was that seemed that's another thing that just seemed kind of weird. It's just like it's let's have let's have you know the. The zombies come out of the ground, but then just have the chick can randomly throw fire and blow them up.
0: <laughs> you know what? But you know what that reminded me of was Clash of the Titans. The, yeah. the the little skeleton. I was I was expecting walkers, but this this whole skeleton thing. I gotta admit, when they popped up, I was like, really? I mean, like I, I don't know why I'm uh, okay with believing in magic and shadow Stannis <laughs> and dragons yeah, that's and true. white that walkers is true. but skeletons just popping up out of the ground I was like oh come on
1: <laughs> yeah but uh so I guess he, had, he it, whatever the the, the character you know the being was supposed to represent made the point of basically they were expect- they'd been expecting Bran but he was kind of like arrived much later than they thought almost like a Luke on Dagobah kind of thing it's like well if you waited any longer <laughs> to finally get here but about about his – and Bran, of course, is listening to his words and about – and Bran interprets them incorrectly at first saying, oh, you're here to help me walk again or whatever. And he goes, no, you're never going to walk again, but you will fly, which I think foreshadows personally. Without, and this is not having to do with anything – and this is literally just pure speculation, so I don't consider this a spoiler because I didn't read about this or I don't have – it. I am just suspecting that has to do with the dragons.
0: Like he's going to ride them I, or –
1: that he's going to no, that he's going that he's going to be one that he's going to take over one oh, okay that because that, they say he will fly so i think he will it will his he will take much like he takes over the direwolf and other, and hodor and everything else because based on his abilities that i think he will take over he will take over one of the one of danny's dragons at some point
0: well isn't there because I, I look there's there are certain shows like for instance dexter when I was watching that, because I, I started watching Dexter after the final season had already aired, so I was just watching it in order. But there are moments in Dexter, like cliffhangers, where I was like, "Oh man, is is what's going to happen here? I, I can't, I can't like deal with the suspense this entire goddamn episode. What's going to happen to Dexter? Is he going to get caught? Who's going to find out? You know, this whole thing." So I would go online and read. Well, the same thing happened with uh, with uh, uh, John or, or Brandon Bran John. Isn't there something where? John's lineage could pretend, and It's not even clearly laid out in the books, but John's lineage is such that he might be able to control dragons too.
1: Well, I think it's impli- I think it's implied that again he might have the same ability that Bran has, and obviously that ca- you know Cat had it too. That it's possible that, that as a that he might have it somehow. But I don't. I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's been established in the in the books yet. Because like I said, I I know bunch of stuff that has happened in the books or ahead of time up to this point but i haven't read the books i don't think that's clearly defined just like his lineage his lineage is not clearly defined i know a lot of people who speculate what his lineage is you know which i guess that's not really a spoiler either since it's not a it's nothing that's proven it's nobody knows i mean as far i think as far as everything targaryens or something yeah i think a lot i think a lot i think the majority if i'm correct a lot majority of the speculation about john's Lineage is the fact that he's not Ned's son, but he's Ned's sister's son. With yes, but I guess Rhaegar Targaryen. That that's the child that they had together, and and basically she entrusted Ned to take care of him because obviously if uh,
0: and that's not uh, clearly laid out in the books. So, so, not so, so, yet. so No, no, spoiling not, what no, will be this, coming up.
1: In yeah, the at this point, yeah, at this point, that's just pure speculation that a lot of people believe. You know, so she gave that's the promise that she made Ned make. That she made Ned make because she knew, you know, Robert would kill, would kill the kid if she if he ever knew that took place. Yeah. So if he if he pawns that off, basically if he made she made Ned raise John as his own son, despite the fact that obviously, and 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 a lot of people, of course, even from watching the shows, point go back to the. When it comes to speculating which people are good at, when it comes to Game of Thrones, that whole line in season one, when Ned said to John, "You, you may not have my name, but you have my blood." Right. That, that's again referring to the fact that he's not that. Which again, it can be interpreted multiple ways. But a lot of people have interpreted that as another way of saying, "Well, you really you have my blood because you're my nephew. You're not my son. You know, and that's why you don't. And you don't have my name because you're not. I mean, you are. You you. He. I guess he would be a star. Well, not if she – if she ever had a chance to marry Rhaegar, which obviously she never would have because of Ms. Martell over there, <laughs> which we'll be getting to soon too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's a lot of the, what the speculation I think is about Jon, that he's not just uh, got Stark blood, but he also has Targaryen blood.
0: Well, spe- yeah. well speaking of Brown, uh his, uh, his trainer <laughs> dies, right?
1: Yes. I don't remember. One one of the, yeah, the brother, the brother dies and the sister is still,
0: she's still with him. Uh, Hodor's, Hodor's still with him and the sister's still with him. But, and now, now maybe I'm just totally spacing. Did we not see Bran's younger brother or?
1: Not this season. Yeah. Not even, not even a scene, right? No. Okay. He's, he's kind of often, often hiding, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Um, so there's still so but but season four was good for starks because nobody died <laughs> that's true but then again season two was good for starks too it's it's the it's the odd number seasons you got to look out for
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you mentioned we've already been talking dragons i know we wanted we kind of had a loose idea but you want to skip over to danny now Yeah, you
1: can do yeah go ahead do danny good you can do danny oh, well thank you <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll take Masande then if you're taking Danny.
0: <laughs> uh sorry guys. Oh god. Okay, so uh beginning of this season, uh Danny uh is she's in charge of Marine at this point already, right?
1: No, Marine was at No, Marine was the at, at in the middle of the season. It was uh oh god, but was the, I just had it in the tip of my tongue before before we started recording. Um, name, I can't
0: remember the stupid city names.
1: I'll 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 try to find it in a second, but uh, yeah, it was Ma- Marine was Marine was the one that she she took over, she took over the season with uh where she set up shop, but that's not where she began the season. It was uh.
0: I thought she already did because wasn't the opening season, scene of her on the shore or whatever with the dragons just and uh, um, was it Dro- Drogon? dragon dragon? What's the name of the? Dragon? No, but don't,
1: but don't forget they marched. They were marching with the. They found the slaves. Remember the slaves that were oh, crucified. Oh, yes, that's right. That's that was that was the march to Marine. Okay.
0: So they, it was, it, it was the. Uh, okay, so was, so yeah. she had already she's already been conquering, but she's heading towards Marine, where she sets up shop for the rest of the season, um, which is the pyramid shaped city. Um, but um, beginning of the season, the dragons are. The the big one. Dragon, Drogan?
1: I uh, probably think it's Drogon.
0: Okay. This is the big black and red one, the the main one everybody's you know seen basically since they hatched. Um. He's bigger than the other two, uh, and he's you know kind of on Mama's lap and being all cuddly and stuff. And then the other two dragons drop a a goat or a lamb or something, and. Uh, and
1: they were really cute too.
0: The mini goats were really cute. Yeah. And, and the, the, the little dragons are a little, you know, kind of fighting over it. And then Drogon steps up and, you know, kind of tries to scare him off. And Danny reaches forward to, you know, kind of silence him, you know, like, be nice to your brothers kind of a thing. And he turns his head and, you know, roars, hisses at her, which scares the piss out of her. Um, and it's at that point that kind of Jorah tells her, you know, no matter what, they're still dragons, uh, <laughs> whether or not you're their mother. Um, then they march Towards Marine, and they find the uh, they find the uh, the the road to Marine. What it's uh, the the, ro- should... the the road to Marine is is what the it's the first mile, five miles or something is marked this way.
1: No, every what well, with, the, with the with the slave. Yeah, I think every mile. Yeah, you have, yeah. There's uh... every
0: mile for how many miles?
1: Wasn't like 168 or something like that, or yeah. it more than that. So it was kind of it was something like that. But basically, their basically their their mileage marker is a crucified
0: slave. Yeah, with the first one being a little girl. Yes. Um. So, what 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 is she? She doesn't want them taken down, right? She wants to. She wants something.
1: Well, she wants them ta- eventually taken down and, and, and buried, but later
0: on. Uh, but yes. Oh, they they they. Okay, so Jorah wanted. Uh, uh, to, to to send them ahead, uh, so that she didn't have to see it, and they'll take them down. But she said, "No, we're going to see every single one of these on the way in." Um, so she gets, so she gets to Marine, uh, she gets to Marine and uh, and uh, you know, kind of take, you know, takes takes the city. Um, I mean that's kind of a, a super <laughs> condensed version, and uh, frees the slaves, and the uh, the masters, uh, you know, start getting punished this season is kind of more political for danny kind of like she's no longer you know the conquering queen but now actually has to you know act as a queen and she comes across you know uh slaves who have been in slaves all their lives and don't want to be slaves anymore basically their lives as slaves were better than their lives as free people um there's a bunch of uh disputes um one uh, at one point in, in the season the dragons kill someone's uh, someone's uh you know farmland and and, and their their uh, herds of goats or whatever and this is kind of like a precursor but you, you're kind of getting the feeling that they're they're going they're they're running wild so danny just kind of you know compensates him for his loss but later on uh, the dragons end up you know doing this again but it kills this young man his his daughter his son is only like three or something
1: I think it was his daughter his
0: daughter and he basically comes up to Danny uh, at the foot of her throne with this blanket and in the blanket are the charred remains barely any bones left of his child and at the end of the season and this it was heartbreaking for me uh, at least because it was it was both heartbreaking and kind of terrifying because I don't know if I've told you before but I've made it you know clear on the show at one point in the past i love dragons a lot of people don't like reign of fire i like that movie simply because it's about dragons so dragons just, just any like the hobbit movie i want to see that even though it's not you know I, I wanted to see it purely because i wanted to see a dragon in a lot li- you know quote unquote live action movie so i love dragons so when she chains up the two Drogon's nowhere to be found the big dragon. But she chains up the the smaller two in the catacombs and you're both kind of sad because, you know, she's obviously heartbroken about this and you're sad for the dragons because they see her leaving as they, you know, it's almost kind of like, you know, closing the tomb door or whatever and and you're sad for the dragon. But you're also kind of horrified in a way because I don't know if it's the music or something, but you get this impending sense of dread like what's going to happen when she does finally let them out, if at all. And she's, you know, what's, is this, you know, kind of the, Drogan's the one that's acting crazy, and <laughs> these two are doing fine, but now by doing this to the smaller dragons, she's turning them into Drogon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of this, it's a sad moment, but it also builds this impending sense of doom. Because I've read, I've read far enough ahead as far as, you know, Wikipedia pages and stuff to know what happens between Danny and Drogan, but I don't know what happens to the other two dragons. So I don't know if they, like, die down there or what happens. So, now there's 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 it, a couple of spots in between. Uh, like, there's a romance between um, Danny's right hand chick and uh, Grey Worm, and then there's a romance between Danny and, um... what's his name? I just
1: had his name, too. Uh, Dario. Dario.
0: Which is the guy that helped her free Yunkai,
1: right? Yeah, even though it was a different actor last season, yeah. but yes, the, uh, Second Sons, yes, right. The leader of the Second Sons. Uh, yeah. Even though the yeah the romance with, with uh Masande and Gray Worm is kind of a unrequited. It's not really unrequited, but it's it's certainly unconsummated him based on him being a eunuch. We don't know how consummated it could ever be. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: but they are trying to push the envelope with that.
0: <laughs> True.
1: Which is again, it, it they change things because both Danny and Masande were very were much younger. Books. They're much younger than like Masande. I think is only supposed to be like thirteen or something when she comes into Danny's service. So uh, she's certainly not thirteen in the in the TV show. No, <laughs> thank Jesus. Uh, but the interesting thing, um, the whole, the, I think, part of the reason why the why the dragon, the thing with the dragons at the end, is uh, the season is so kind of like gut-wrenching is because here she is the breaker of chains as far as people but yet here she is putting her own children as basically in chains she may not you know so she she's kind of she's kind of getting a dose of you know the things aren't as quite as black and white as she may have seen and plus this was a this whole season for her was kind of like living proof of the heavy is the head that wears the crown kind of way of looking at it that as she sets up shop and marine to try to rule that she has to re- realize that there are a lot of decisions she has to make and a lot of things that it's not just you know clear cut. And a- another plot which was – they didn't do much with other than just you – j- you just heard reports about this happening. But pretty much all the other – the cities that uh, – that she's freed including young Kai and everything that pretty much every every time she con- up to this point every time she's freed a city and moved on to another and more or less as soon as she was out of range and, and the unsullied and all her forces were moving on to the next city the slave masters in those in the city she had conquered previously all tried to basically regain power so even though she essentially had taken like three, three cities or so but she was really having trouble holding on to any of them so as she points out if you know if, basically if I can't you know, if I can't rule a city or I can't rule a a small piece of territory, why? How can I? Why would I expect people to follow me and to rule? You know the the Seven Kingdoms. So
0: oh, it's a, sorry, go ahead. just popped into my head. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, uh, this season also Jorah leaves her service because, uh, um, what is his name? The old dude used to be King's Guard.
1: And I know it too, and it just freaking popped out of my head. Uh,
0: Sir Barristan.
1: <sighs> Yes, back Be- that's it, okay. Barristan.
0: Sir Barristan uh gets this note, intercepts this note about how uh
1: well, he doesn't really intercept it, it's given to him. It's, on
0: yeah, it's given to him. Uh it's basically Jorah's pardon from Robert Baratheon from season one from season one, telling him that he's pardoned and can come back to Westeros. Um basically for his, you know, services of spying on Danny and being the information behind uh behind uh everything that Danny's been going through lately to you know the power of, of the throne uh mm-hmm. in Westeros and let, you know being the informant and it's at this point that uh Danny releases him from her service because doesn't doesn't she say that uh what what is his fault was it the death of her
1: I, what she seem what she seemingly holds against him more is the fact that he that he made sure right part of his reporting back to you know to westeros and everything was was he made it crystal clear that she that she was pregnant so i think she She
0: blames the death of her child i think Um, she blames
1: that more i that the whole chain of events i think that seems seemingly based at least on the way it was presented in the episode i think that was the thing that she had the hardest thing um
0: reconciling
1: reconciling and, and looking past now again one of the things, and, and once we get to the Tyrion stuff in, if, uh, in a little bit, you know, George R. R. Martin has kind of reiterated it, that part of part of the message or theme that he wants to get across in these books is that decisions and actions have consequences. And we've and we see a lot of that. You know, we see a lot of that in this season. We've seen a lot of it all along. I mean, it's real life because you can always see that. But I mean, Jorah, Jorah made the decision to. Not just to spy on her, but to not come clean a lot earlier when he probably could have, yeah, especially once he started basically falling in love with her, and his loyalty was completely to her, he should have he very easily could have come come forward and done that, but he didn't, and then that led to this the fact that and, and her emotional reaction to it also you know kind of put she kind of throws out the most trust really despite how he first came into her service. Probably the, the, the wisest and the best and the most trustworthy of her allies at this point because when you really think about it, it's kind of bugged me even at the time just as it, that, as it plays out or played out, I should say, on the show is that why in the world, if you had to pick between the two of them, why would you t- – logically, again, not taking – moving – putting the emotions back in check. Why would you trust Barristan over Jorah? Barristan, you know, Barristan was supposed to protect her father and didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Barristan then stayed on to work for the guy who who helped kill, kill, kill and slaughter pretty much, or was involved in the process of doing that with her entire family. And then the only reason he left was because Joffrey and Cersei were dicks to him.
0: <laughs> True.
1: You know, it's not so. It's not like he he had this great epiphany. You know, even when he, you know, and he may have been close to the epiphany when he realized that you know the, uh, Robert's words that were. That Ned, that Ned had in his hand that they just ripped up and didn't give a shit about. But still, why would you trust him? Of all, I mean, over Jorah. So that's, I mean, and I'm sure that's going to be con- consequences for that too. But we've seen, we've seen a, but that theme in general. And I don't want to go too far off the the Danny thing, even though you know, I know we're drawing close to the end of Danny's story. But in general, we see this throughout throughout a lot of characters. I mean, Ned, Ned's a good example too. You know, Ned nobody actually as a lot of people have pointed out if if basically the entire stark family had listened to cat things would have been so much different <laughs> yeah you know she told ned not, not not to go to king's landing he went she was she kept trying to re- reiterate to sansa that she shouldn't want to be wrapped up or get involved with joffrey didn't listen you Now rob you know you know you had to keep your word to walder frey you shouldn't be marrying anybody else you all these different things you know and, and look what happened and even with even uh even the way she tried to uh, play peacemaker between Renly and Stannis. I mean, again,
0: let that be a lesson to our listeners out there. Always listen to your mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, and words have and your, you know, your deeds and your actions. They have, you know, you have to pay the price. Have to pay the price for them. And what your goals are and everything else. And that we we do we do see a lot of that. And yeah. We'll see a lot of it once we get to Tyrion. I think the most I
0: think I, I think the most interesting part about Danny's story and not maybe not most interesting but most unexpectedly interesting was not that she's losing ground in the city she's already conquered. It was not that you know the dragons had something going on. You know the stuff that was going on with the dragons. The most unexpectedly interesting portion to me was I mean when it first happened I was kind of like whatever. But the recurring when it started recurring. The whole slaves who don't want to be free, angle, and like how she has no idea how to deal with that. She's just completely baffled by it. I think that's pretty interesting.
1: Yes, I agree. And and it is again going back to back to her decisions. I mean, in many ways, you know, she and uh, even though she and Jorah kind of clashed a little bit when it came to what to do and what not to do it seems in many ways that uh she and uh barristan are really not on the same page more often than not (laughs) about how to do things so that's that that's yet you know that's yet another another interesting fact or aspect of her decision about who you know about throwing him out and this is one of those examples good
0: sorry sorry i keep interrupting you
1: no, it's okay. You
0: have a <laughs> speaking of interesting facts, I wanted to throw this in there before we uh we moved on. I was reading this online, so you know, God knows if it's true or not, but I read it in multiple places. I'm I I'm fairly certain it's true. When she goes to take Marine, the champion that they send out, this was this season, right? Yes. The champion that she sends out like starts, you know, pissing in the dirt or something and taunting her. The taunts that he's doing do you hear did you hear about
1: this? I don't I don't think that I did.
0: The taunts that he's doing in that you know, whatever the language is are not actual like you know legitimate taunts for the sake of the story. Those are translated taunts from Monty Python and the Holy Grail oh, really? when the French when the French guy is leaning over the castle walls like. Your mother was a hamster, and his mother, your father, smelt of elderberries, <laughs> like all of that stuff, translated into the language and being shouted at. Danny <laughs> didn't matter because it sounded like you know what it was supposed to be. So who cares? And you couldn't really hear him clearly, anyways. But supposedly, and I, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into it because I read it online, but if it is true, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes
0: yeah so who's
1: next i think we should i say we do Tyrion because in a way Tyrion is like uh six degrees of kevin bacon away from pretty much everybody left who we haven't really talked about plus tier plus Tyrion storyline kind of dominates the season it's kind of there's so much that kind of so many other characters' story arcs kind of revolved, or got, kind of get pulled into Tyrion's.
0: Really, the only thing that splits from Tyrion is Sansa.
1: So, yeah, but they, but still, it starts with Tyrion. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they start they, up until like episode two. They were th- the end of episode two. They were still, t- you know. So in a way, where she ends up, kind of has a lot to do with what happened with uh, with Tyrion. So. Again, going back to whether I thought Episode One was lackluster, one of the reasons it wasn't, in my opinion, was because the breakout character of the season gets introduced in Episode One, which is Oberyn Martell, <laughs> Oberyn Martell, who, who is seeking revenge against all Lannisters since his his sister was the one married to Rhaegar Targaryen at the time of Robert's Rebellion, and as far as he's concerned, under the orders of Tywin Lannister. Uh, the hound's brother, the mountain, not only killed her and killed her children, but he he basically he raped he raped her and killed her, you know, with the blood of her children pretty much still all over. And depending on some accounts, like, he like split her in half when he killed her, you know. So he's a charming guy, as we've already seen, not only on the show, but despite the fact that they seem to recast the role every single season. <laughs> True. But Oberon Mortale gets introduced in the first episode. And and he is basically the Martell representative for the wedding, which is the big episode two, which is Joffrey and and have 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 queen will travel and Marjorie that if you have a throne and you need a queen, Marjorie will be there.
0: <laughs> she's well, so, she's more than welcome to be my queen. Yeah, you definitely could do worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave that silence in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, leave it. Leave 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 that silence in there. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or put it in the George DeKai. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> so, so Tyrion begins the season and he thinks he's in a bad place because he's kind of still being pressured to basically knock up Sansa because he, Tywin wants him to have a child with Sansa so basically he will be the child will be the heir to the to Winterfell since, since again, how much I don't think it's because of just age I think it has to do with I think it's still basically a traditional or like patriarchal system of who would be the heir. And said, but since everybody thinks Bran and uh, Rickon Rickon are dead anyway, then then Sansa would be the next in line to rule Winterfell. She's the only stark that they really know is alive. (laughs) So, which is kind of interesting because another storyline, which I don't even know if we're going to ever get into, which has to do with uh, the Boltons and uh, what's his face? Reek. (laughs)
0: Yeah, probably not. I mean, look. Basically, it's uh, uh, the 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 Boltons are making a play, and Reek, which is um, I can't believe I've already forgotten his name.
1: That's why I that's why I kind of I oh jeez, this is embarrassing. We may have to please. Theon. That. Theon. Yes, Theon Greyjoy. You. Okay. I knew Greyjoy. I couldn't think of the first name. Yeah.
0: So Theon is basically a whimpering little subservient bitch. That's really all that happens. I mean there there really is no major plot development there other than the bastard son of of Bolton, which has been, you know, quote unquote turning Theon into Reek, is Ramsey. now yeah, Ramsey is now legitimate, you know, it has now kind of earned a place in his father's eye. Which I, I don't think I don't think that, that side of the story had much to do with anything this season. I think if anything whatever's happening there will come more into play next season.
1: Well, yes, and the only reason I kind of went down that road slightly was because, again, you kind of see the puppet master, the, the puppet master that Tywin is, because at the same time he's, as as Roos Bolton himself pointed out during the season, that Tywin Lannister pretty much gave him the North, but he's not, but he had no intention of lifting a finger for of, of helping him take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if, you can have it if you take it yourself, but at the same time, uh, Tywin is more or less, you know, doesn't really give a shit, which is usually Tywin, because he's just trying to, as far as he's concerned, if uh, if Tyrion can knock up Sansa and they can have a kid together, then that's going to be the, that's going to be the, you know, that's going to be the <laughs> the Warden of the North, the Lord of Winterfell, everything, as far as he's concerned, because that's all he cares about. Yeah. So it's just another aspect of you know, in the season, you kind of have, you have you, actually not just the season, but throughout the. The series so far you more or less had two huge puppet masters two palpatines in this show pretty much one we'll get to with right, right by proxy through this a little bit and little finger and he's the more he's the more sha- he's kind of the more shadowy one and then there's and then there's tywin who's a little more out in the open but they're kind of both had the same uh they're pulling a lot of strings so Tyrion thinks he's thinks he's in a bad place to start with and, you know, being on pressure from his father to do that, I mean, while well, he hasn't slept with Sansa, and he's no intention of sleeping with Sansa unless Sansa is willing, and Sansa doesn't seem like she's going to be willing anytime soon. Um, he's plus he's still in love with Shay, you know, the prostitute that he he's been trying to, who now is Sansa's handmaiden, but he's trying to do everything he can to kind of keep her safe, since he feels that she's going to be killed if anyone finds out, you know, who she is and the and what his his relationship is with uh, Shay, so every so that's where Tyrion's kind of that's how the season kind of begins, and Tyrion and Oberyn kind of have an interesting relationship even early on. That it seems like Tyrion doesn't seem excuse me seems like Oberyn doesn't really have it out for Tyrion as much as he does for other Lannisters. And as the story as the season plays out, you kind of get more of a direct uh, explanation for why that is. But that all sets the stage for you know for for the the big one of the Certainly, the biggest episode probably through the first seven of the, of the season, which is otherwise known as the Purple Wedding. True. Sure. <laughs> the second episode, which is jo- which is Joffrey's wedding to Marjorie, which actually does take place. So this, but then again, she was married to Renly too. So her 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 luck is not that her luck isn't that the groom doesn't make it to the wedding is that she doesn't live much longer. <laughs> so they have this big, you know, this big ceremony and Joffrey's about as big a dick as you've ever seen him before like magnified to you know on <laughs> 11 amplified on an 11 and then of course you know he's drinking wine and he's forcing Tyrion to be his his cup his cup holder his his cup bearer and all this he's just doing everything he can to humiliate Tyrion, including <laughs> including having a, a dwarf reenactment of the war of the five kings which besides being insulting to by the fact that they're using dwarfs insulting to Tyrion, it's the fact that, especially with you know with the dwarf that's supposed to represent Rob, you know when the heads kind of like the heads removed of the, you know the King of the North and, but uh, that all ends with Joffrey drinking wine and being poisoned and dying very graphically in very and very in a rewarding fashion to many Games of Thrones fans. <laughs> well, a lot of people were very happy with that episode. <laughs>
0: Ding dong, the witch is dead.
1: dead. Neal, witch, the witch. <laughs> no, bitch is dead. <laughs> but unfortunately, but unfortunately, because of the bad blood, including during the actual wedding ceremony, and just a long time before, including when uh, Tyrion used to slap the crap out of Joffrey all the time, especially before he was
0: and, king, and threatened him during his own wedding.
1: Yes, which was you know, which which. Is justified based on the fact that, you know, Sansa is his wife now and he's still talking like how he's going to play these games. The server robs head at their wedding and, you know, at, at Joffrey's wedding. And it's like, no. But Cersei, who has hated Tyrion pretty much from the minute he was born, is completely determined that, that, regardless of whether he did it or not, that he is going to be the one who's going to, literally, his head's going to be in the chopping block for the death of her son. So from season from episode two on pretty much Tyrion's in a position where he's on trial literally for his life. He's going to, there's going to be three judges that are going to determine whether he's guilty or not. Tywin is one judge, so he pretty much knows he's got one vote against him already. <laughs> and they have uh, one of the Tyrells. That's that's uh, Marjorie's father, right? I believe. I, I think th-
0: so. I th- yeah, I
1: think. Yeah, hey, that or uncle, one of the two. But basically, you know, he's just a he's just a sycophant to Tywin, so that was pretty much there were two votes right there, and by luck of the draw, maybe to make it look like it wasn't such a complete railroad. You know, Tywin talks Oberyn into being the third judge, kind of you know is pointing out the fact that you know, they kind of need that based on what's coming down the road, probably with you know with Danny and the dragons, and the fact that you know pretty much Dorne was the only kingdom not to really have succumbed to the dragons in the past that more or less tywin was in his own way without directly saying it, he needed oberon or the dorn of the martel's help he kind of made it clear that he did so that on some level impressed or intrigued i think more than anything in oberon and the fact that you know they put him on the small council so Tyrion goes on trial. It becomes, a, it becomes a complete farce. Everybody pretty much testify Everybody who's ever pissed off in his life, which is a lot of people. <laughs> Again, going back to actions, you know, you have to deal with the consequences of your actions. Tywin – excuse me – Tyrion, one of his gifts is the fact that he's very smart and he's very clever and he has a big mouth. But But that pisses off a lot of people, so a lot of the people that he played games with. And when especially when he was the acting hand of the king in season two, that all came back to bite him. And pretty much everybody testified against him, even even Varys, which seemed kind of odd, but at the time anyway. But everybody kinda kinda like uh, all the all the chips were everything was all lined up against him. Including? And then the ultimate and I was getting to that oh, one. and it, no, don't worry. And the ultimate kick the ultimate kick in the groon for uh like like things run bad enough for Tyrion is when Shay is brought on. Shea, who was supposedly shipped off, you know, she was being shipped out of town, out of Westeros, out of King's Landing for her own protection. Again, because he's afraid that Tywin was going to kill her. That he put basically Bron, who we hadn't even mentioned this season, uh, he, he entrusted his cell swordsman there, his, his uh, bodyguard Bron, to get her out of Dodge before anything happened. Uh, of course, he, he he kind of insulted her in a way to try to motivate. He was he was doing everything he can to motivate her to to leave and said, you know, that he could never be with her or he could never love a whore and things like that. And that just that really hurt her. And Braun's the one who actually got slapped, right? That was kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> and Bron, who I'll, I'll I'll mention Bron later with briefly with Jamie, but uh, but Shay, who obviously was still very much in King's Landing, comes out to testify that not only was not only does she know, you know she knows that Tyrion was the one who did it because she, you know, he and Sansa were planning it. You know, regardless of the fact, it makes no sense. You would talk about this openly in front in front of your handmaiden, <laughs> but still, nobody cares. And basically, because just because Tyrion can't take it anymore and he's so sick of the the bullshit that he basically just demands a trial by combat, which seems to throw his father off slightly. Now, at the time, you know, Tyrion part of, besides just that was an emotional reaction by Tyrion he's kind of expecting I he's kind of hoping maybe that Jamie would you know would champion him even though he got when the season begins you know he's he's fitted with this you know the 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 fake like gold hand or whatever since his hand was cut off last season and he's been practicing with Bron to learn how to fight left-handed but he just it it's a slow process and he's nowhere near being in position to feel comfortable probably fighting anyone let alone who he's by luck of the draw he would have to fight Tyrion then hopes you know Bron will do it but pretty much a Bron is paid off to you know to to almost be a nobleman or be in position to at least according to his plan that he's going to make sure he's kind of he and his wife are kind of going to come into some land and some territory soon but it was a nice they had some. it was a good touching moment though between Bron and and Tyrion which I kind of liked the fact that there was seemingly no as Bronn kind of pointed out, when they find, at this point they find that the mountain, uh, the brother of the Hound, is the champion. Is going to be Cersei's champion. Going to be the basically the uh, prosecution's champion. So Bronn kind of thinks, talks it out for a moment, and goes, "Well, oh, maybe I could take him. Maybe I could move around. You know, more or less use my speed, wear him down, wait till he gets tired." But he goes, "One one mistake, one slip up." You know, and I'm dead, which of course is kind of, again, like a premonition of how things play out. But then he points out that why else? You know, why should I? Why should I take the chance? And Tyrion goes, "Well, because you're my friend." And he goes, "Yeah, I am your friend, but when, but when was when did you? When have you ever put your life on the line for me?" <laughs> and Tyrion really can't argue with that because that's pretty much the truth. I mean, it's not. You know, it's, Bronn defended him once. You know, b- back in the Vale, back with uh, Psycho Lysa, that. Um, but he just wasn't going to do it this time. So, so pretty much at this point, Tyrion pretty much is thinking he's going to get stuck fighting the mountain himself. And he almost, and he kind of makes a joke to Bronn about about that. And then Oberyn comes to see him very shortly before it's going to be do or die time, literally at the trial by combat. And Oberyn kind of tells him that you know that they, you know, they had met. And this, in the meantime, even before, oh, before the trial by combat, what you know was uh was set in stone. Everybody was trying to play game, try to do some manipulation of Oberyn. I kind of mentioned what Tywin did. Um, Cersei came to him and tried to plead the i uh, the idea of how she was, you know, she was the good mother because her daughter has kind of been shipped off to Dorne um, earlier, I think at the last season, or season two, one of the two. Uh, but either way, that she was kind of in Dorne for. In theory, for her own protection and everything else, and it kind of like a, almost like a goodwill thing towards the martels too, I think. But so she's playing on Oberyn to make it sound like she's the loving mother, and playing head games with him, trying to get her, him to vote against Tyrion. But Oberyn con- talks to Tyrion, and he points out the fact that you know we that we had met once before, before you know this trip, and he goes, "I," th- Tyrion goes, "I think I would re- I remember that because Oberyn's a pretty difficult person to, for- to rem- forget." and Oberyn goes, no, it was right after you were born, I mean, we, we, you know, that was the first time I had left Dorne, we went, you know, we went to, to Casterly Rock to see you, and you were this little baby, and we heard all these horror stories about how you were this monster, and everything else, and, you know, when he and his sister, Elia, you know, at the time, they, they saw the baby, and it was like, yeah, he was a little misshapen, because he was a dwarf, but he essentially was a baby, so they were a little disappointed in that, and of course, and then, Cersei, being the mean person that she is, kind of like, uh, should we? How graphic should we do this? <laughs> she uh, kind of sque- squeezed a, p- a place of uh, a male anatomy on little baby uh, Tyrion that you wouldn't want any to touch, anyone else to touch in anger at any part of your life or any time of your life. And she was putting a really lot of she she did that for a period of time until while the baby was crying and in a lot of pain until Jamie stopped her. So. So I, that just kind of reinforces to Tyrion how much his sister has always, always hated her, him. And Oberyn points out, you know, he, that he's seeking. That's what you, Tyrion says. You know, Cersei always pretty much gets what she wants, and Oberyn goes, "What about what I want? You know, I want justice." And he gives that line that they showed in the previews a long time ago: that if you want justice, you've come to the wrong place. And Oberyn points out, "I don't." I disagree that everything that everything I want or everything relating to justice that I'm seeking is here now in King's Landing. And he said, "I'm def- I'm going to start with the mountain, Sir Gregor C- Clegane, for killing my sister and, and her children." So he agrees to be the champion for Tyrion, which leads to a very interesting t- trial by combat in which, of course, you know the, the mountain is like seven foot whatever, and he's got this all the armor and he's bulky, and he's super strong and everything else, and and. Oberyn's not wearing. He's wearing like leather armor, not no helmet. It's which is relevant, and and <laughs> Tyrion point and Tyrion points this out. Is like you could at least wear a helmet. Where well, if you did, things might have been different. But uh, Oberyn proves who's known as who's re- like everybody else in uh, Westeros. Almost everybody has a cool nickname. That Oberyn's uh, nickname was the Red Viper, and for multiple reasons but he showed his fighting skills very 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 appropriately in in three quarters of the fight because he completely outmaneuvers the mountain he is playing head games with the mountain making making it clear that you know who he is and why he's there that he's looking not just to kill him but he wants a confession he wants uh, he wants you know he wants a confession that you did it he wants and he wants a confession of who put you up to it who gave the order so the battle can the battle goes on and Tyrion and uh, excuse me Oberyn is g- first slashing and getting some minor wounds into to the mountain and then gets more and more including a probably took out his Achilles it looks like towards the end because she he sticks it in the back of his ankle like in tears and then he, he he does a really good spear job right through him and Ober and uh the mountain is down and of course. Once again, it's uh, consequences of your actions, and not focusing on the big picture, which was just killing, <laughs> just killing him. If that was Oberyn's only goal, to kill the mountain, everybody would have been happy. <laughs> but his main, but his goal, one of his goals, was to get that confession, and he, and he keeps taunting the mountain, and he keeps circling the mountain, and he, and he takes his eyes off the mountain for one second, and as Bronn had predicted, you make one mistake, and pretty much he, uh, the mountain grabs him. Knocks him off his feet and the mountain smacks him in the face with his fist, knocks out most of his most of his front teeth certainly, and then he proceeds to basically <laughs> pop his head like a grape <laughs> head goes explode head head puts his eyes out with his thumbs and then his head and then his head explodes and which was extremely graphic and Oberrin was definitely the breakout character of the of the year except for along with sir pounce the the <laughs> just the kitty of uh Tommen, who is now the king, actually once after Joffrey died, nice Tommen became the king after asshole Joffrey.
0: Marjorie makes her move on him.
1: That's right, because she's going to be—that's going to be her maybe the third time was the charm. <laughs> uh, so Ober, Oberyn's dad, the Mountain, is dying seemingly because, of course, all Oberyn's spears were were poisoned, and again. Consequences. Instead sort of a fast-acting poison, he, they were deliberately d- designed to be a slow-acting poison, not just for a slow, painful death in case of, of this emergency. Which I guess he did balance it out a tad, because he gets some satisf- they get some satisfaction out of a slow, painful death in case you don't finish the job. But if he had used a fast-acting poison, he would have at least survived. <laughs> that with the mountain dying, and it doesn't matter because uh, Oberyn is dead. It's just a matter of when uh, Tyrion's execution is going to be. And before that comes to pass, Jamie makes the decision. Jamie, who has been, again, I think we mentioned before, who's kind of really seeking a legacy, that he wants a positive legacy in his life at this point instead of just being known as the Kingslayer. Uh, even though we understand now from last season that that wasn't just a pure betrayal or a be- literal, literal backstab, as you would, you would think there were reasons why he did that. But he wants a, he wants a greater legacy. He wants to do, he wants to do more mm-hmm. of what's right so he frees his brother uh we'll touch upon that a little bit i i want to at the end cuz there again this, th- there are some things that they left out from the book which a lot of people again were not happy about cuz it 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 changes things dramatically they leave they leave on good terms and, and he tells he tells tyrion that pretty much uh Varus is waiting for him and Varys is going to help smuggle him out of king's landing needless to say uh tyrion is confused by that But instead of just going right away to seek, you know, his escape, he goes to seek his father. He finds, unfortunately for him, he finds, instead, in in his father's bed, he finds Shay. And that Shay is basically now, according to my term, fucking his father. And so besides the fact that she betrayed him, she's just completely sold out, you know, one way or the other. Uh, Shay attacks him. He has, you know, he tries to defend himself first, and then he... He's almost forced into a position where he ends up strangling her, which kind of pushes him over the edge. Then he, t- that does push him over the edge. He goes, he takes, he gets a cross, he gets a crossbow or a couple, a couple was it a couple of crossbows? Just one. Just one, but, he, he, but a couple of arrows. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. He one crossbow and multiple arrows, <laughs> and he finds his father on the crapper. And I love that they kept that part. Yeah, because
0: because because Tywin pissed me off enough in previous seasons was like when does this guy die please tell me it's awesome and so so i i read you know i read Ed on wikipedia you know what's supposed to happen to him in the books and when i read that he died on the toilet i was like oh god i hope that happens
1: (laughs) (laughs) so tywin does what tywin does best to try to play head games and say oh, do you really think i was going to kill you you're a lannister i am you weren't you know and of course Tyrion's not really buying it and he goes, "Come on, let's let's, let's go back to my chambers and, and and let's talk, you know, in a proper place." And he goes, "I can't because you know I, I killed her. I killed Shay." And he and he says, well, he, "More or less," he said, "What does it matter? She's just a whore." And he and Tyrion pretty much warns her, "Don't call her that again." And again, he tries to pull up his pants or tries to move on. And he calls her he calls her a whore. They have an interesting little discussion about you know whether you're you know you're a Lannister or whether you're not a Lannister. You're not my son, things like that. And but at the end of the day, t- he makes a mistake—or not a mistake for him. He calls Shea a whore again. Tyrion shoots him once with his with his uh, crossbow. Then he uh, then he finishes he finishes the job, pointing out that I've I've always I've always been your son. They did kind of leave out the cute line that that was in the book, something along the lines that well, it, it's, along the lines that see it, it's it's definitely not. See, it, it, it is completely untrue that Lannisters shit gold. <laughs> Lannisters do not, in fact, shit gold. So then after that, he, you know, he, he, he leaves the weapon, he drops the weapons, he goes to Varys, Varys goes to, to smuggle him out, you know, the, uh, the alarms are sounding in King's Landing at that point, and Varys pretty much decides, well, he pretty much needs to get out of Dodge, too, and those two, that's pretty much, that pretty much ends... Th- their arc. The only the one thing we really didn't talk about, which again relates to, relates to Tyrion. I mentioned earlier. I didn't want to get off the main path. That uh, Tyrion still was married to Sansa. Uh, Sansa was always suspected, even right after, even when they were the they were the likely suspects anyway. Especially because of Sansa's you know poor relationship and the way she was, uh, justifiably she had every reason to want to kill Joffrey, and she disappears shortly after the wedding. Uh, the king's fool, who she helped make sure he survived at the end of uh, the previous season, when he, when Joffrey would have killed him, that he he kind of helped smuggle her out. He also had given her a necklace earlier in this, like a, earlier on. I think, in, I think it was episode, must have been episode one, right? Since the wedding was episode two, it must have been episode one that he gave her the necklace. I suppose he was his mother's, and he would be honored. You saved my life, It'd, you know. If it'd be kind of like honored if you would wear it, and it turns out that the poison that was used to kill Joffrey was actually in that necklace, one of the one of the jewels of the necklace, and it turns out this was all part of L- L- Littlefinger's plan was to kill Joffrey, working along with uh, with grandmother Martell there, Diana Rigg. <laughs> that the whole plan was to kill was to kill Joffrey, and of course Littlefinger has all these. All these plans to try to put essentially put himself on the Iron Throne, I think, at some point. And um, <clears throat> so, Littlefinger. So, yes, that was Littlefinger's plan. Little Littlefinger was to kill one of his many plans was to kill was to you know to kill Joffrey and to get him at, to get him out of the way. His one of his other plans was, and he ha, and he has Sansa brought to him again by the same king's fool who he kills quickly <laughs> afterwards. That his plan was to to get Sansa, because as far as he's concerned, like everybody else, Sansa's the, Sansa is the ticket to the North, and it doesn't help, or it doesn't hurt, I should say, that she is very much, to him anyway, a spitting image of her mother, who he, who he loved. So his plan is to take Sansa back to the Vale, to be with uh, her aunt, but more importantly, we find out that Littlefinger has been romancing Lysa, Sansa's aunt and Kat's sister, for a while now, and we get one of the more important pieces of information of the season, actually, really towards the end of the season. Well, that's just from the season, from the whole series at this point, is that we find out that Lysa's hub- husband, John Aaron, that he pretty much, that his death pretty much was that sh- she was the one who killed him, right?
0: She was the one who killed him, but at the direction of Littlefinger.
1: Yes, yeah, Littlefinger. Yes, that's, yes. But that's, that he was the mastermind behind killing John Aaron, which, of course, was the first domino to fall, which helped. Put everything, get everything falling into place for for Ned to go to the King's Landing and yada yada yada. It's like, so that was so the whole scheme from the very everything we saw play out from the very beginning of the first season. Essentially, that was Littlefinger's doing. And so, little as far as Lysa's concerned, Littlefinger just wants to be with her and you know and kind of like all oh, kumbaya and everything. And of course, Littlefinger's main plan is to. Be with Sansa, and he and he kisses Sansa. It was un- really unrequited, but this gets this gets overlooked, or it gets, it gets seen by uh, by Lysa, and Lysa f- kind of freaks out on Sansa and blames Sansa for it. Littlefinger kind of like is able to talk her almost figuratively <laughs> off the ledge and literally off the ledge for a moment or two, and then he said, "There's only one. It's okay. It's fine. You know, it didn't mean." Didn't mean anything. There's only one woman I've ever, you know, really loved, and he goes, "You're like your, your sister, <laughs> her cat." And then, while, while she has the the stunned look on her face, he put he pretty much push, pushes her through the moon door and kills her. And Sansa ends up, when, of course, everybody was, everybody at the veil kind of just looks at Littlefinger as an outsider. They don't trust him to begin with. They've heard things about him, so they're all pretty much doesn't. They're all ready to convict him of, you know, of killing her or. And Sansa, pretty much surprisingly, everyone, including Littlefinger, backs up his story, which is the first sign of Sansa maybe getting, you know, kind of like the world that she lives in, because basically she knows what her, she kind of has more faith or a little more. She know the devil you know versus the devil you don't. That she has no way of knowing what would, what would, what will happen. Maybe with, you know, they'll kill Littlefinger if automatically if they find out he's guilty. Doesn't mean they don't know what, what will happen with Sansa, what, what they will do with her. She has a little more faith that you know that at least Littlefinger needs her, so she kind of goes along with at least the season ends, giving the impression she's going to be an active participant in some of his plans as she's accompanying by Robin, correct? This Lysa's son and his tour of the Vale, his his Vale, his world tour of his his summer tour uh, of his territory, which of course is probably Littlefinger's way of trying to get Robin eliminated, but <laughs> and you know. The only th- the only other thing related to any of the, the Tyrion stuff, it's more like a Varys to me. Varys has always been an interesting character because you really don't know what he what he's looking what you kind of know what he wants in a way, but you don't know. You know he wants to be, I think, kingmaker or queenmaker, but you just don't know who he's necessarily backing. You know that that's what it, that's kind of the impression I. Because he has that interesting discussion with Oberyn in in front of the Iron Throne when Oberyn's picking up on the fact that he used to have an accent and he's he's you've done a really good job at hiding it you know Oberyn says but I could tell, and they start talking about different things and he goes oh Oberyn is Oberyn who is a about as bisexual as you can be kind of like assumes right off the bat that you know the Varys like boys back before he got castrated and he goes no that's not the case and he goes women I wouldn't have guessed and he goes no I didn't like I wasn't really in. I really didn't have an interest in women either. And he kind of has an interesting statement. Because because he kind of sees what relationships and what, you know, more more or less what lust and quest and having these quests or needs for, you know, relationships, what they can do and how they kind of take you away. And when you don't really, and when you don't have that uh, roadblock, when you don't have that obstruction in the way, it's like you can keep your eyes and your focus on, on other things, or set your goals on other things, and he kind of looks, and he then the Iron Throne comes into focus. So I, th- I think kind of the difference between Varys and, and Littlefinger, I think, is that I don't. Th- I think Varys has somebody in mind in particular that he wants on the Iron Throne, when, uh, and in a way, so does Littlefinger. It's like Littlefinger, it's himself.
0: <laughs> I think. I think it's. I think uh, pure speculation because I haven't read this that far. I think Varys wants Danny on the throne.
1: And I agree with you. I think he does want Danny. Well, there's also some speculation I've heard that people think he might be a Targaryen, too, which is one of the reasons why he keeps his head shaved.
0: Mm. Well. Um, there, the, uh, as far as Sansa, what she does, uh, and we'll get to Tyrion, but as far as Sansa, I think uh, the same way Arya killing that person at the, 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 f- in the first episode made me go, all right, finally, I was really getting annoyed with Sansa and how even though she's the older sister she's so dumb like she trusts everybody and you're just like oh come on grow up realize what's going on around you and stop falling for everything and then that that final scene of her this season where you see her in that black feathery dress and she's got this kind of you know lofty smirk on her face and she's like all right let's go and you're like all right be kind of finally starting to play the game <laughs> you know what i mean so I was, I was i was i was pretty impressed by that part um so yeah the the, the whole trial itself that was you know the start of it but you, you you really solidified that that new take on sansa when you saw her in that dress and she was walking down those stairs yes it, i mean it was a complete visual change too so it was, that was that was pretty cool and the whole Littlefinger reveal was was awesome because there's a there's a point uh, in in one of the earlier seasons. I don't know if if, if Mark can find it. It was a point in one of the earlier seasons when Varus is talking to somebody and talks about how dangerous Littlefinger is. I can't remember exactly what he said, um, but there there's a there's he says something about Littlefinger being super dangerous or the, is the most dangerous man in Westeros or you know something like that. Uh, and you, you, even though you don't see a whole lot of Littlefinger this season, I mean, you do kind of. But even though you don't really see a whole lot of them, the point, the the times you do see him, he makes it count. That's true. Yeah.
1: And I think I think both Varys and uh, Littlefinger are both characters like that too. I think you don't you don't necessarily see a lot of them, but but they but it's it's almost always worth it when you do. Yeah.
0: And uh as far as as far as the Tyrion stuff goes, uh Oberon I didn't really like him at the beginning until I realized he's he's the uh, he's uh, I don't know what to say he is. He's he's Tyrion but not Tyrion, like he's you know, he's as crafty and he's got his plans and he, he's 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 exactly like Tyrion for the most part except there's something else in him. I'm not quite sure what like personality trait I, I I don't know cockier or I don't know what um but there's there's something different about him that but he was, he's like he's like Tyrion and I thought it was cool to see another Tyrion like character in play
1: Yeah he's he's got that wicked sense of humor like Tyrion yeah. too. He was a he was a really good character. Um he was all, I mean for people who people who have read the books he was always I think people's one of the favorite characters in the book Um, again, if you, if you either read the books or you, you kind of looked ahead, even if you didn't read all the books, it kind of, you kind of knew where, yeah, unfortunately where it was going to have to go because it's, it, it, it falls, it has to fall into place because of how, of what has to go on with Tyrion and Tywin, that there's, that there's really, you know, there's really no other way to, uh, to work, you know, to work around it. So, but still, I mean, that's a lot. And again, if, uh. You know, if Oberon had just, if his if his only goal was to to kill the mountain, he would have been okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was that was only. But but one what I didn't mention, which I probably should have, is the fact that he technically does get what he's looking for because he, as the mountain is killing him, he does he does confess that he everything Oberon has accused him of, he did. He doesn't necessarily point out who did it, even though there there could be repercussions for that, no matter what. But the point is, he does yeah you know, he does uh make it clear that he did do it yeah. so so that's kind of that, that's kind of important um so he, he got-
0: yeah the the stuff with Tywin, I'm so glad he's dead um the only thing I would say that was uh odd about that that whole scene was the uh and I, I think you alluded to it when you're talking about it. Is the what was changed in that scene in in, in terms of uh, Shay was never in the book. She was never in love with with Tyrion, right? She was always working for for Tywin. That's the impression oh, I got. Like she was in the book. Yes,
1: in the in the in the book, their relationship was yeah. In the book, their relationship was a lot less sweet and tender than it was portrayed on the screen. Okay, they purposely they see because they base what they basically did. I think to do this is they. And I think this is what where, where what Chad is getting to. That in the book, the big reveal towards the end of this. I mean, if you wanted, I mean, if you want to say it, I don't. No, I, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. That the big reveal when when it's the conversation between Jamie and Tyrion when Jamie is freeing him, and it comes out that that Tyrion's wife, who was who we were when they were having, we learned about all this when he, Shay, and Bron were in the tent having almost like their drinking game together, which must have been. God, what season was that? Two. Was that two? It was two? Yeah, it was before Black, Blackwater or anything. Uh, I mean, but you find out that, you know, we were told that his wife basically was a was a, was a a whore. That his wife was a prostitute and that more or less, you know, she didn't, she was just pretending to really care about him. And then she was p- basically, you know, she was killed by Tywin, I believe. And what, what took place in the book is you find out that, number one, she was never a whore and she was absolutely, truly in love with him. And that's why she was killed, and that was actually the big catalyst to pushing ty-, ty Tyrion to the point of wanting to kill his father and it also changes the relationship and the dynamic between him and Jamie because they don't leave on good terms he's still i mean he he's still somewhat appreciative of what Jamie did to free him but he but he loses a lot of respect for Jamie for knowing all this and basically keeping it from him uh so they changed that dynamic and I think part of the reason why, and that's the reason why I think they built up the Shea romance factor as much as they did on the screen, because that way seeing her betrayal and seeing her end up with Tywin would be enough of a realistic trigger figured you yeah, no pun intended, to uh lead to the, the end that the end game that we got. So
0: Yeah. While keeping while keeping Tyrion's uh relationship with Jamie intact.
1: Now who knows? I mean it's possible. You know, again, a lot of people were not happy not a lot of people were not happy with with that change. Uh, but maybe again, maybe this is a change where talking to, you know, between the showrunners and talking to George R.R. R. Martin about where this is going to eventually end up. Maybe it's possible that you know, based on the information that they've received, maybe this makes part of how it plays out maybe a little easier to accept maybe if depending on how if things play out differently with you know and there's if there's a huge role between Jamie and Tyrion down the road where that maybe if it's you know assuming it's not you know com- complete bad blood that maybe maybe there was a reason why they did that maybe there was a reason why keeping their relationship more friendly is you know is of relevance
0: yeah Tyrion was badass this season um especially when he wasn't given much to work with like as far as scenery goes um not that it really affect cuz he's a great actor but i almost compared his scenes uh to ned's scenes when ned was in prison
1: yes there there's there's a direct correlation and they also do there's a, there's a lot of different references to that too like about the deal that supposedly that he the deal that he was going to get if he just shut up and basically let the trial play out that he would plead basically plead for mercy and he'd be allowed to go to the wall like ned was supposed to go to the wall it goes it eh, goes and Tyrion points out, you know, that's the same deal. That's the same deal, and that, that Ned Stark agreed to, and look what happened to him. Yeah. So there's a lot of tie, direct ties to that.
0: But as far as Ned, I mean, both actors are great. But Ned's Ned scenes when he was in the prison felt, you know, defeatist or super suspicious or desperate. But Tyrion, up until Oberon agreed to fight for him, never really lost his composure. I mean he he was obviously stressed out and everything like that but but uh he 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 was still Tyrion, you know what I mean? Right. Uh whereas Ned, you know, his smarts and you know his his uh demeanor as a gentleman or whatever you want to say kind of all vanished from him when he was in prison. So I like I mean it was it was dark, people were visiting with torches and he he looked like he was, you know, succumbing to the the dark and the cold and the damp and, you know, all that stuff. Whereas Tyrion was still cracking jokes and, you know, albeit ride jokes, but still. But I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say there. But, just, you know, Tyrion's Tyrion scenes in jail, though directly and intentionally mirroring some of some of Ned's scenes, were, were better scenes. And, it, and we're talking, you know, in a, a small dark area, one-on-one talks with people not a whole lot happening at all but still managed to be interesting.
1: There were a lot of good conversations between Tyrion and, and different people that came to see him. Yeah. <laughs> there was, he had some good conversations with Jamie. Obviously the the thing with Oberyn was really impressive. The thing that's really impressive about that conversation is that supposedly was the first scene that uh what Pablo Pascal filmed as Oberyn. Hmm. Was that scene with him and Tyrion in the dungeon. So the fact that and it doesn't certainly doesn't feel like it. I mean, you certainly believe that it played out the way it should have based on the, their relationship, based on timing. But it, that was just. But and yeah, I think and Braun. I really liked the conversation with him and with him and Braun. Yeah, I thought I'm glad they I'm glad they ended at a on a good note there.
0: You mentioned that Braun was training Jamie, right?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yep. That that was okay for a little bit, but they really didn't do much with that. I thought they would do more with it. But not a whole lot happened there. I don't think. Uh, I, at least I didn't feel that way. Granted, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of other stuff happening in this uh, season, so it's not like they should have spent a significant amount of time on that. But I don't know. Um, what else we got to say about Tyrion? Um. Oh, uh, what you mentioned when uh, about Varys leave deciding to leave with him on the boat. You kind of. I mean, we, we're we kind of generalizing here, but you did leave out the when when. Tyrion finally does go to uh, to Varys to open the door.
1: Oh yeah, what have you done? Yeah, ben?
0: what what yeah. what have you done? Because he sees he sees the blood on uh, on uh, Tyrion, so he already knows that something has gone down. But he takes him to the boat, and then once he hears the bells, he kind it kind of confirms in his mind the suspicion of what Tyrion has done, and he's kind of like, well, <laughs> I'm screwed if I stay here. I better get the hell out. <laughs>
1: yeah he pretty much yeah he pretty much knows it it's uh that if he if he wants to if he wants to to live to see the end of this to, or to at least have a control like he seemingly wants to be as in being a power player that uh he's not hanging around is not gonna isn't gonna work out for him
0: yeah because tyrion's friends in uh in King's landing are uh, few and far between so it wouldn't be too hard to connect varus to him at some point.
1: Yeah, because actually I do. I I I, I couldn't. find, Looking quickly, I couldn't find the quote you were looking for. But ironically, I did find the qu- find a quote related to the end of this episode with Varys. That Varys, it was actually in the Blackwater episode that he that he says to uh, actually to Tyrion. He points out, I've always I've always hated the bells. They ring for horror, a dead king, a city under siege. Yeah. So he knows when those bells are ringing that something bad has happened and going to happen so he knows that's
0: And given Tyrion's escape and the fact that he was covered in blood, well who would who would Tyrion kill on his way out of the city?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and who would Tyrion kill on his way out of the city that would merit the ringing of the bells? Joffrey's already it, dead, he wouldn't kill he wouldn't kill Tommen. he wouldn't kill Tommen. Uh, no,
1: nobody would it's hard to imagine anybody other than maybe uh, uh Stannis, who the hell would, who the hell could possibly kill Tommen? He's such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. At least at the moment, I mean, at least he—he he certainly, he, all, all the all the inbred mutant blood seemed to go to uh, Joffrey, <laughs> yeah.
0: which is odd because I've seen interviews with the kid who plays Joffrey, nicest yeah, nicest guy yeah. in the world. Let's see who else was this season that we—I mean, Cersei was a
1: bitch. She's always yeah, she's. I can't she's wait till old. she dies. She's always she's always kind of been a bitch on the show. She plays the part well, that makes you really not. Which kind of does lead to one another thing.
0: Should we t- should um, we talk about this? The controversy.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Because I actually was gonna. There were there were two related to actually Cersei in a way. One's the actress, and one's the. But the main one, probably the biggest, the biggest controversy of the season, probably other than actually, I still think it's the biggest. Even the changing of the at the end between uh, Jamie and and. Uh, Tyrion is not as severe as the the love scene that became a rape scene between Jaime and Cersei, with their with their dead son, you know, laying in state right next to them. <laughs> that, at least according to the book, that was a it was a sex scene. It was a it was not a rape scene. It was consensual, as some people have pointed out. If you wanted to look to justify a little bit of it. Not justifying rape as a concept, but what's on the page versus what we saw on the screen. Some have pointed out that that scene between Jamie and Cersei in the book takes place from Jamie's point of view. So they kind of are trying to, I guess, imply or leave the door open that maybe his interpretation of it is not necessarily the way it really went down. But a lot of people had a hard time with that. Uh, more, I think, more, I think more people had a hard time with it who read the books. I don't necessarily know people – I'd be curious to see how many people really had a visceral reaction to it, people who have not read the books, but just watching everything play out on the screen and seeing how Jamie's character has been changing over the past two seasons, especially, to see him do that and to see if they had the same kind of reaction that, okay, I thought we were supposed to start liking Jamie, and how could he do that? Right. Um, I, I know it bothered a lot of people who read the books, because especially because they could definitely change your interpretation of a character because it, he certainly does force himself on her. Um, maybe it's as, and the showrunners kind of got themselves in trouble too, by saying something to the effect that, well, it kind of became consensual at the end, you know, which is kind of like, almost like oh well, you know, you like along the concept well it's already happening. Just lay, just lay back and enjoy it. That kind of crap, you know? Yeah. So, um, I gotta stop umming too. I've been umming a lot today. So I think that that was that was the major controversy with that with Cer- with Cersei and Jamie and it didn't. They I don't know why they would change that. I mean Jamie's character has certainly come a long way, and he's a much more likable character now. So why they would even put something that could be
0: one step forward, two steps back?
1: Yeah, why would you put something that could be interpreted as yeah, it's Cersei, yeah she's a bitch, yeah you know they've had sex gazillion number of times. But why would you want? But why would you want to do
0: that? Yeah.
1: What did, what did you think about that?
0: Um, having not had the experience with the books, uh, the only thing I probably have to say about it is I was like, oh, uh, like as if incest wasn't uh, enough to see on TV. I was like, okay. Um, plus, you add to the fact that they're doing it in front of Joffrey's
1: corpse. Yeah, it's pretty much in bad taste. Yeah. Nope. You couldn't be much worse tasting. <laughs> I'm, Unless they pushed his body off and jumped on top of where he was, that would have been the worst part. I mean,
0: there are, there are tons of things uh, you know happening on TV, I mean, even including in the show that you could, I guess, you could consider to be worse or something like that. But I mean, still, it doesn't really. Necess- it doesn't just because there are worse things on TV doesn't necessarily make anything that you consider "quote unquote" less than that any better.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, and so I mean, so we kind of covered. We had covered the controversy with the with the change between Jamie and Jamie and Tyrion. It did the rape? Uh, we covered the change with with the Hound and Brienne, which was a complete meh. that was a change. I think most people would say was for the better. Mm-hmm. Since they never interacted, and the only other thing to touch about again, and I, and I will be quick because we're running l- longer than we probably figured we were going to be. Yeah. Uh, and I won't go into details because again, it could potentially be spoilers if they decide to do this later on. on. Yeah, all the hints are that they're not going to. But that could just be that could just be you know misdirection. That again related to Cersei. You know, uh, Lena Headey kind of got herself into trouble by tweeting a basically, I think, relatively soon before episode ten was about to to come on. Not like like minutes before, but like like a, maybe a week or so before. Uh, she sent out a tweet which definitely clearly foreshadowed a certain character that a lot of people would kind we were kind of looking forward to seeing and based on where they were in the structure of in the part of adapting the books it would have made perfect sense if this character showed up at the end of episode 10 but the character didn't and there by again like i said based on all the talk if you listen to the show either the showrunners or the inter, or interviewing with the the actor who would be playing this part Everything seems to indicate that they're not really that might be going a little too far, even for Game of Thrones, which I think is still questionable based on even the, the stuff we saw in episode 10. And, but it was kind of one of those things where they kind of raised the bar, or she raised the bar for people to think, oh, this character was going to show up kind of needlessly. And I don't really understand what the what the logic was. And I don't see why you want to like antagonize potentially or piss off your audience or tease people for something that's, oh, yeah, it's a, oh, yeah, this character's going to be there. No, they're not. What character? <laughs> What? what 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 character do we? I wasn't gonna, are we are not gonna say. Type it. Well, we mentioned it in the pregame to this. Oh, okay. Do you know who I mean now? Yeah. Okay. Yes. That yeah, that was that was the that was the character that um, a lot of people thought it would have made sense to show up, but it seems like that character is going to be left out. So, that was controversial too. So. Yeah. But it was a, it was a but it was a decision but it was a decision they made and again I. Since we're trying to keep our spoilers to, any not real spoilers, we're trying to keep anything to what we've seen literally happen this season or stuff that should have happened, but they clearly, absolutely have kind of like, you know, set the ship has sailed on yeah. by changing by changing things. So that's why the only reason I'm playing vague. Most based based on the hints I will, uh, alone, if people don't know what I'm talking about, just by probably googling it, you probably could. Find out what I'm talking.
0: Yeah, about. there's images of it too.
1: Uh, yeah, like, the, like that, si- that, that's what it was. Images. It was a, it was a picture. It was a it was yeah. basically a picture, and that kind of was made it crystal clear who they were talking about.
0: But. Yeah, that's the only reason I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and it was kind of disappointing because I kind of was hoping it was good that character was gonna show up too because it would have been a cool ending. Yeah, we will see.
0: Is the only reason people don't think it's gonna happen is because it because I haven't read the books or anything that this this character is supposed to show up in relation to a sequence of events that already happened in this season.
1: It's not necessarily that. I mean, the timing. I think the timing wise would have been, timing wise, it would have made sense if not for the end of the season, beginning of next. But I think it's, it's also based on things that were things that have been said that they may that they may not want to go in that direction. That they're kind of like almost like, I'm not going to say pointless, but there may not be as much to do with it. It might be taking things more to an extreme, even from a like a. Mystical or magical kind of way, even more than they are than the standard stuff we kind of come to to accept on this show, and just different interviews. I mean, again, it could all be BS just to try to throw people off off track. But it seems like everybody on, no one's really making. There's not one hint at this point that this is something that they're seriously considering doing. And maybe it's also because of the end game, because plus it it does kind of change. It changes the perception of some characters that we already have seen, so maybe they don't want to do that.
0: Okay. Well, is there anybody else we need to touch on?
1: I think we did everybody. I mean, we did touch. We didn't mention anything about the Red Woman with with Stannis other than the fact that she came with them, but she really didn't do much this season. Not really. No, but there was definitely foreshadowing. She's
0: still power behind the throne, kind of, but what's his name is getting his foothold in there a little more.
1: Yeah, Davos is uh, is, is earning his keep. Not just because his life was <laughs> hanging on by a thread, but it also doesn't hurt that you know Stannis's daughter just loves him <laughs> yeah. but he does have he does have pull, but you could also see that there's something going on with her eyeing uh John Snow the way she was through the fire, yeah, castle black exactly In episode ten, so you know there's gonna be something going on with with her eyeing him and and because he does have you know, his relationship with stannis kind of i think does factor into what goes on
0: okay.
1: soon so Shh. i think that will be interesting
0: without without uh, using knowledge of what we uh, what we have cuz i'm i'm not using any knowledge going forward of what to what what do we want to as a good closer what do we want to see in in season 5 <sighs> because i was telling my friends i wanted to see arya be a little more of a badass and i wanted to see Sansa come out of her shell a little bit, you know, that kind of a stuff when I last time I talked about what I wanted to see in season 4 and we got relatively a lot of the stuff I was wanting. So, what what do, what do we want to see season 5?
1: I would again trying to leave out information. And I don't and I'm not even talking about stuff story-wise that I know happens. Just even you've already heard about some casting and where this, you know uh locations are going to be, where they're going to be filming, or what it's supposed to represent. So there's some things that we know that they're going to be dealt with. I'm just trying to Try to be objective and take myself out and just look from where like the episodes. Uh, definitely want to see you know Arya and Bravos and see how that works out. Mm-hmm. See how that changes.
0: I agree. Changes her. That's on my list.
1: Um, I would like to see. I would like to see Danny get her act together a little bit more and kind of we solidify these small air. You know, basically whatever her quote-unquote kingdom or empire is at the moment to kind of like get it to be le- a little bit less of a clusterfuck and kind of be more of a bal- balance out kind of the and, b- and balance out the emotion, you know, the emotional with the with the just pure logical decision making. She's you know, kind of, just grow up a little, you know, to kind of um, obviously in the big picture, I like, you know, I'm curious to see what happens, you know, with, with Tyrion. See where he goes, see, you know, what his... You know what? Now that he's out of King's Landing, and he obviously knows he can't go back, <laughs> and that's, not under those circumstances anyway. A lot has to change for him to ever go back. That you know what what his plan of action is going to be, especially since it's undoubt it's you know people are going to be looking for him. Yeah. And I guess, and I'm curious to see what happens in the north because obviously the, the the Freys and the Boltons. You'd like to see them get theirs at some point.
0: Um, personally, definitely um, see Arya and and Bravos. Um. I want to see more. I, look, I know I was I was pleased with what we got, but I want to see more specifically Danny and the Dragons. I mean, I know I, I the the other stuff is intriguing. Yes, keep going with it, but I want to see more of development as far as either whether it be training the dragons or experiencing what it's like to. Be their moms, quote unquote, but you know them being unruly and uncontrollable. I, whatever the the aspect you there, I want to see more drag because they were they were kind of background. You know what I mean?
1: True. A lot of Danny stuff is just back because again, Danny's another character that based on where they are. I mean, from storytelling point of view, there's just there's there's not much going on. Yeah. I mean there's I mean Bran was the same way. There's some there are some characters that in the books they've been adapting so far and taking the material from. There's yeah. just not a lot of story to tell so they, they're trying to you know so you kind of like have to put it together and come up come up with something which is why they kind of create stuff for some characters and and stretch it out or even if they don't get a lot of screen time you know you spend even though Dan, danny was in a lot of the episodes this year
0: yeah
1: i think per even though she didn't necessarily have a lot of screen time if you add it all up she wasn't as she wasn't absent from a lot uh, and she didn't just show up at the end of every episode, which is kind of what they was they did like last year. Mm-hmm. I think they were doing a lot of that last year, where it was just oh, let's just have Danny show up in the last ten minutes because Danny as a as a as a TV character, I think, is more popular than uh, than as a book
0: character. Yeah, um, I want to see the mystical, magical side of this place uh, expanded upon a little uh, a little more and a little better in terms of Braun storyline uh, that finally got interesting. I think a lot of what he's about to go through, oh, Brand. Brand, Brand, yeah, a, a lot of what Brand has to go through is related to the White Walkers. I think maybe, um, I mean, for all I know. And, and speaking of the White Walkers, when we we're talking about the Wildling story finally being revealed, this White Walker thing has been teased since season one. I want to see, you know, they keep saying winter is coming, winter is coming. I want to see winter. The, the biggest thing I want to see next season, and, and even though it probably won't happen. Um, I want to see winter come. I want to see it be here. I want to see you know what happens when all of that you know when when because it w- weren't they talking like what was like season one right when Cat- Catelyn was telling somebody or somebody was saying something to somebody about uh, it, no it was the nurse it was the nurse who was taking care of Bran after he'd fallen was telling him that he had he he has never been alive when a winter was so it's not like four seasons a year kind of a thing right yeah so he was born in the long summer uh so i want to see what this world is like and what everybody talks like why is this the saying of a house you know why is this something everybody fears i want to see what this world is like when winter has come i want to see stuff happen with uh with the white walkers i want to see stannis stay in the north and see what happens when you take him out of his element but put him somewhere where he could theoretically be in charge. I want to see what happens there. I don't really give a crap about anything that's going on, because all, that, all that's happening in King's Landing right now is the Tyrells, uh, uh, Jamie and Cersei, Cersei, and I don't care about any of that. Uh, maybe maybe the, the Marjorie Ty- Tyrell, maybe, just because I think she's cute, and there's a couple of times... I don't know anything about the character. So as far as characters I've read up on, I don't know anything about her, but I do every time I I see her I get the feeling I'm not supposed to trust her. So so I kind of I kind of want to see that's the only reason I would want to see what's going on in King's Landing is to see what's going on with her. Because I kind of I kind of get that she's the impression you're supposed to be getting I guess is that she's somewhat, not really But hopefully you understand what I'm saying. Somewhat of an innocent, just kind of playing the game her family wants her to play. But there's something about her herself that I just do not trust. And I want to see something go on there.
1: And that would also make sense just from the point of view that any – it's kind of like a concept or a mindset that – when dealing with people i guess that if if somebody wants something continuously so bad it kind of makes you really nervous about them ever getting it yeah (laughs) if somebody if somebody is so 100 percent dedicated that you know this they have to have this or they just no matter how many times you know they get denied they, they keep coming coming back to the well because they just believe that you know either it's their destiny or just the fact that they they're just unwilling to accept that maybe they're not supposed to have it that it kind of makes it kind of makes you nervous.
0: Yeah. Do we know where Tyrion's going? Did they say it in the TV show?
1: They don't say it. I don't believe they say it in the TV show. I don't think, and I don't think there's anything like on the ship or anything that that I I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anything that foreshadows or like a little or I su- or like.
0: I assume you know where he's going.
1: Yeah, I kind of know where he goes, and he knows where, who he's going to run into and what his plan is going to be. But I
0: I don't, but I want to see him go to Braavos too. So I have no idea if he's actually going there or not, but th- as far as destination is, I want to see him go to Bravo's. Or it'd be awesome if he end- ended up uh, in Marine or something with Danny.
1: He's definitely going to have a different perspective on things since, <laughs> since that's it. It's an, in a way, that's why changing, changing the uh, stuff with Jamie was kind of sh- again, unless there was a reason for it. It was kind of shaky because that kind of makes his split with from King's Landing even more complete. Right. Because of the fact that obviously you know he and Cersei. You, you can't have more, you know, d- dysfunction than between the two of those. You know, he just killed his father, and now that he, you know, his brother is essentially dead to him. Then it, it made perfect sense that he cuts all ties, you know, with with, with the Lannisters. So, and related to Bran, one last thing. And again, this kind of goes back to the idea that he'll never walk again, but he will fly. Don't forget when he was having his visions, that in that vision that he had, there was a dragon flying, I believe, over King's Landing.
0: Right. So is that it for season four talk?
1: I think so. I mean, we, at this rate, we, this, we may have, this might be like 189 part one and two. We may have to split it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be all right.
0: All right. Do you want to uh, close this out?
1: Sure. I mean, It's, hard to, it, it's actually a Green Lantern podcast because at least we have the ending. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be back in the Green Lantern horse real quickly. Um, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com. That's lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our forums. You can check out our galleries, our movie reviews, product reviews. Uh, just throw up a product review. Going to have another movie review going up shortly. And
0: Even issue reviews coming soon. Yes,
1: yeah, so I was just going to say, Chad has an issue review that he's working on. And, and then probably after uh, Rise, I mean Dawn of the Planet. Planet of the Apes comes out, I'll probably have a movie review for that too. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, and on like us on Facebook. Uh, you can use hashtag GLCast to find us on Booth. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us on iTunes, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708 Lantern, that's uh, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think.
0: Alright guys, next time we'll be talking comic stuff, but you know with the uh just like we said earlier, just uh, with the with the new you know cast uh, co-host uh, team here, uh, we're gonna switch things up a little bit, and every now and then talk about some stuff that we want to talk about. And this this time around, you know, Game of Thrones uh, was something we wanted to talk about. And hey, it's basically like a, like a year between <laughs> between <laughs> between seasons, a year plus. So we might as well, and uh, you can deal with it. <laughs>
1: And hopefully, hopefully you would have at least enjoyed it or yeah. at least enjoyed that we did something different, if nothing else. Even if, if it goes up in flames, then at least we tried.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, all right. Well, uh, and, and if you like it, send us some feedback you know, to let us know what you thought about Season 4 All right, and what you expect to see in Season 5. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody. Good night.